What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Alvin Marshall's podcast with a little bit of a departure from our previous guest talking about shamanic breathing and psychedelic journeys in the jungle. But nonetheless, I'm super stoked to get into this because um, I've been here. this is a topic that we could all explore and all should explore. So welcome, Tucker Max. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad you could come. And so before we get started here, you know, a lot of people know you, of course, from your previous works. Right. And so a lot of people probably tune in like, what the fuck is Tucker Max doing on the podcast? Tell old stories about, you know, and that's definitely not that. And we'll get into this book. But, you know, tell us a little bit about that. You know what started your literary career? Obviously, two million copies sold. Yeah, three actually books. across all my books. That three million copies sold. Mm-hmm. But you don't shortchange me, dude. I'm a fragile ego. <laughs> I need every piece of credit that I've earned. It's a million books. <laughs> I mean, that's a big check. Like, it's a big check. It's a million books. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but you know, it was certainly controversial and certainly created a bit of steam. Right. And so, you know, kind of tell us about a little bit about that process, then we'll get into the end of this. I mean, basically, man, it started after law school. My buddies and I, there was like eight of us that always hung out. We all went to different cities, and I went to South Florida, which is like the cultural wasteland of America. It was the worst, and I hated it. And so all Except I would, if you live in South Florida, we love South Florida. No. no. You probably don't. Oh, yeah, never mind. No, so, <laughs> I just so, hated so we're, so we're setting the tone, we're keeping it 100. Yeah, it's fine. Exactly. Uh, oh, well, somewhere is great for like a week, two weeks. And then right. after two weeks, you're like, oh my God, everyone's on coke. This is terrible. <laughs> and then if you don't do coke, it's like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> right, right. Um, which I don't, so I hate it. And, and so, human coffee being such the surrogate for coke. Exactly. Just exactly. Kind of white. And, and so, uh, so, of course, I did what any 25-year-old guy does when he is faced with a situation he hates. I got really drunk and buried my sadness in the vagina. Ah, yes. I remember those years. So I would go home in the morning, and I hated my job, too. I was working for my family, which my dad eventually fired me from the family business because I did a shitty job. And I got fired from – I got fired I know we've talked about this. Yeah, right. And so – We're both drinking, burying ourselves in vagina, and getting fired by our family. Yes, exactly. It's a great great lineup there. Uh, It's a perfect storm. So I would – the only thing I really look forward to in my life – was sending emails to my friends about the funny stuff I would do with like girls or whatever, right? right. Like I got drunk and threw up on myself and whatever. And so I would write a story, uh, an email and send it to my friends and they would laugh and it's like hilarious and it became this like whole thing. And then um, eventually they started forwarding these emails to like their friends at the firms they worked at or whatever. And then you know how like this is 2001, 2002. So this is before MySpace or Facebook or anything like that. So this is like back when email chains and email forwards were like a thing. And so I eventually started getting my stories forwarded to me from like other social circles. Like, right. you know, it had like all these headers and, and one of my friends like from high school be like, dude, did you read this funny story about this drunk guy who threw up on himself? And I'm like, asshole, scroll down on the bottom, look at the original name on the email. I wrote that story, right? Yeah. And so then after my dad fired me from the family business, uh, I uh, had been already been fired as a lawyer. Uh, which lasted three weeks. And then my parents, seriously. And then my parents, uh, my dad fired me from the family business after like six months. So it was like, all right, well, what do you do? And so my one of my friends called me and he's like, dude, you're not good at what you trained for, but these emails are the funniest thing I've ever read. You need to do this. And so I tried to get published, rejected 100%. Every literary agency, every agent, every publisher. So I put my stuff up on the internet for free. And this is like before this was a thing. Before the word blog existed, mm-hmm. I did this. Like I had to learn HTML because it was that or GeoCities, right? Right. And so uh, put it up and then uh, nothing happened for about three months. And then this girl who I wrote a story about who was uh, old Miss Vermont, she sued me and then it became – it blew up. So you used her actual name in the story? She's the only person whose actual name I've ever used in the stories. <laughs> I use like, uh, you know, uh, fake names for everybody else right. because – I want to live my life in public. It's fine. They don't choose to, so I don't. Yeah. I don't do that. But she's a public figure. She was two-time Miss Vermont. She was in Miss USA pageant, Miss America sure. pageant, right? Sure. And so, and her whole thing was, you know, you have to have a platform when you're in pageants, right? Yeah. Her whole thing was Not chastity, chastity, okay, and yeah. sobriety. Not getting fucked. Right. Got it. So the first, I'm not even exaggerating. I met her at the athletic club, Boca Raton, 6 p.m. on like a Thursday night, and by 11, we were drunk, fucking in the back of her Ford Explorer. <laughs> 
And so then, like, whatever, this happens, not a big deal. And so we hook up for a month and blah, blah, blah. It's like those politicians that rail against homosexuality. Right, and they're and getting they their dick get, sucked by yeah, the pages. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, of course. By the, by the intern. And, yeah. and so then I just wrote a story because she kind of ended the – I kind of broke up with her or whatever, but she really ended the relationship when she shot up a gun target and then put it on my windshield in my car. And then wrote this really weird, like the note was passive aggressive. The gun target was aggressive aggressive, right? But the note was like, you know, oh, we had such a good time for three weeks. I don't know what happened. It was this weird, weird thing. So I wrote this whole story about it. And I used her real name because she was a public figure. And then she sued me. And it became this big First Amendment case. And um, from there, book deals. and So that kind of, so she did you the biggest favor in the world. It was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Interesting. Yeah. So then the rest of your, the books are just stories. Stories of stories of Dude, shit that all, happened, funny stuff. All I did is I wrote down the shit that we all do in our 20s and early yeah. 30s. Sort of why, why do people get so mad? Because I tell the truth and most people live a lie. Right. That's it. They, like, just, they just don't want to acknowledge the, that that's what's going on. Well, there's a couple on. different types of anger. Like uh, generally what I find, man, is when someone gets really angry at something else that has nothing to do with them, then it's always about that person, right? So like if I took a shit on your lawn and you got mad at me, that makes sense. I took a shit on your lawn. That's fucking terrible, right? But like if you've never met me and I've never had an interaction with you and you just hate me because of my books, it's probably because of because of you. If, if now, if you don't like the books, that's mm-hmm. fine. Sure. But like, there's a lot of things I don't like. Uh, I don't know the Rosie O'Donnell show. I don't go around talking bad about her. I just don't watch it. I don't care, right? Um, so most of the people who hate me, I found break into two ba- big camps. You either have guys who are like jealous and angry that like uh, this guy uh, it does things that I wish I could do or that uh, whatever. They see something in me that makes them angry. Like, oh, he reminds me of the athletes that beat me up in high school or something right even though that's not who i am that's just whatever i'm some projection or you'll see people who like christian crazy christians who think i'm anti-god or crazy gender feminists who think like i hate women or crazy men's rights people who think that i'm too nice to women it's like whatever whatever their agenda is they heap it on me sure well that's that's pretty typical along the way so in these books i haven't i haven't read any of your older stuff but i did get to read this this new one so just to kind of clear up on that one of the distinctions you make in the new book is it's not and the new book's called mate uh, become the man women want Mm -hmm. so we've been alluding to that but you know in it you differentiate dramatically between the other pickup artist type of Mm -hmm. books even books like neil strauss's the game which had some you know good parts it was a good story manipulative psychology in there and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so in your books and in what your you know in your previous life i mean are you doing some of these things that you're you're railing against in here I, I don't so that's the, like uh, yeah yes and no so uh this this book is essentially if you're a guy and you're not doing as well with women as you want the book's for you sure. whether it kind of doesn't matter what your goals are if you want to just sleep with a bunch of women and not have deep relationships with them that's cool like we tell you exactly how to do that where to find those women etc if you want to go find a girlfriend or a wife, that's awesome too. We tell you exactly how to do that because pretty much 80% of what you need to do is the same. Yeah. Being attractive to women on a foundational level is the same regardless of the goal. And then we talk about, okay, if you have different goals, how do you then adjust beyond that foundation? Yeah, it's very practical in that, mm-hmm. in that way. Would you say that your morality around that has changed? You know, like basically, or is, or is it just you had a wilder period, like yeah. you said, you were unhappy or... I don't how think. Does, how does that go? Because no, I, I, like, dude, I, I, I had, I, I personally did shit in my twenties. It was kind of fucked up, some of it, right? Like, no doubt. Like, and I wrote all of the worst stuff I did in my stories because that's generally the funniest stuff, right? right? Um, and so, I don't. The book's not about uh, validating that or denying that. That's just a fact of my life, right? I did some good things. I did some bad things. This book is how to, how to, how to. Get yourself into the position where you can have the relationships you want with the women you want, right? Sure. And the more, if there's a moral position in the book, it's that I'll tell you what the main moral position in the book is. I think the underlying subtext of almost all sex and dating advice right now is man versus woman, like the battle of the sexes. Mm-hmm. We're the opposite. We're saying that all relationships should be win-win. So if you want to just have physical interactions with women, nothing else, that's cool. Find women who want the same thing, and then that's they're going to get what they want too. You want a wife? Great. Find a woman who's also looking for a husband yeah. who finds you attractive. You guys get the same thing. And I could, you know, you 
right from the start of the book, your dedication is to your son, and I'm assuming Dr. Miller, daughter, his daughter, his right. daughter, right? And right from there, you know, it sets the tone. Like this is not a book of of with this kind of predatory vampiric mindset that a lot of this the pickup opposite. artist community has. Yeah. This is a book about being a better person and creating a fulfilling relationship and situation. And you get that, you know, right across from the from the start. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that's cool. And I think all of these people who know you from your past works or have just heard things like I had just heard I had what the public you know says about With the Tucker images Max. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and then I had all of these friends that I know mutual friends are like no Tucker's fucking awesome and I was yeah. like all right cool I'll meet somebody who's awesome and then uh and then so that's going to merge but I think this book is going to be huge for that because this book really just plays it straight and it's definitely to the mutual benefit of both people creating the kind of you know, people capable of having a sustainable, That's, positive relationship, whatever term that might be. Uh, honestly, man, the, the way I think of the book is like, this is, we, Jeff, Dr. Miller and I wrote the book that we wished existed when we were 16. Mm -hmm. That would explain, this is what women want. This is why they want it. Because there's a logic to it that guys don't understand. But it makes perfect sense if you understand human evolution and human biology. It all makes sense. Here's exactly how to exhibit those traits and then here's how to apply this to your dating life. Yeah. And it's not like every piece of knowledge is in there, but it lays out a roadmap and a way to understand the universe, you know? No doubt. Th th that universe, right? This would have been huge for me when I was, because I was, you know, I was a successful athlete. I right, was, right. you know, smart, but I did not get a single girl that I actually liked <laughs> until I was like 23. <laughs> like, not a single one. I was no, completely over. I would have girls, but they would be the ones. And I couldn't. I didn't figure this out, right? Yeah. I would get the girl that I wasn't really that interested in. I would be focused on this one, right? And just repel the shit out of her, you know. And I have some. My and this other one who was super into you, and you're like, like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And then you just took her as like second place. <laughs> right. But it, it ended up being good relationships or whatever. But it was mm -hmm. never the one that I was targeting. And I have I have my own theory about that, and it actually plays with some of what you're talking about. And it's. I was creating these unicorns in my mind, right? Yeah. The unicorn is this mythical, mythical creature, creature mm -hmm. right? I was making these women into mythical creatures, and my approach to them was treating them as if they're this mythical, magical creature. And they looked at me like, this dude's fucking crazy. I'm not a mythical, magical creature. I'm just me. I'm a woman. You know, I'm a woman. I'm a person. I don't, want, I don't want this psychopath who thinks I have you a were, you were totally fart rainbows. You were yeah. them, but in a good way. Like, right. Uh, Good way meaning like you weren't looking at them like pieces of meat. You were just putting them on such a pedestal. And no one wants to be like that. Yeah. You want to be worshipped if you're a god, not a person. Yeah. And you want people to just see you as you really are. Whether that's you're a celebrity or whether you're a hot girl or whether you're just, you know, a normal person. Like if someone sees you differently than you know you are, you're just going to want to stay away. They're and I think that's a, that's a big problem. I remember like. I would just smile at them like a fool for like, for like constantly. I wasn't happy then. I wasn't like, it wasn't genuine, yeah, you know? Not. So like, no wonder I didn't get a single girl I liked until finally, finally I figured it out. It was like, oh, I, I mean, girls like me when I'm just normal, when I treat them <laughs> like I would treat every other human being on the planet. That's what girls mean when they say, why won't you just act normal? Guys don't understand what that means. What women are saying is, Either stop putting me on a pedestal or stop being creepy. And being cre guys will be creepy by like um, they'll be staring at a woman and then like across the room and then she'll look over and they'll look away, right? That yeah. codes in the mammalian brain is predator. Like that's sort of evasive like looking, right? So if you want to stare at a girl, stare at her and she looks over and just smile and wave and then go back to what you're doing, right? Then she's like, okay, he's a normal person who engaged me. That's not creepy, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. You re either worship them. Or you come or off like a predator. Or you're terrified of right, them. Right, right. Which is the other right. And they're the actually way. very similar. T terrified and w worship is a way to objectify so that you don't have to engage the real person because they seem too big or too much. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things, when you're around people you're comfortable with, that's when you're funny mm -hmm. and when you're witty and when you fuck around and you make jokes and like... And you're 10 times more attractive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, what's, that's what is attractive. But when you build these things up you know, that's when it gets into issues. And I think, so, you know, one of the things, being honest, that's in your first, mm -hmm. that's in your first principle. Yeah. And I think that immediately right there differentiates you from most of the pickup artists community. Pretty much all of it. Because that's where shit gets squirrely. It becomes, again, this predatory thing where you're, 
It's the male as the hunter. We're trying to hunt this trophy. And that's when you the way get they the, talk. I know. And that's where that's the way a lot of guys talk. It's like and it's that's really a lot about ego based. This mm-hmm. is about patting yourself on the back and, and look, create, look at how amazing I am. I have these trophies. Right. It's like let me into your mm-hmm. field of flowers and I'm gonna fucking pick a shitload <laughs> of them and put them on a vase in my field of flowers. You know, and put, put them on a vase <laughs> in my kitchen, you know, and then you're mm-hmm. gonna have less flowers, you know, because you're social. Right. You it's know, a, in this social group, you will already have been and it's this fucked up paradigm of like don't do that to people like if she lets you in be fucking grateful and plant more flowers than you fucking took you know don't be a burglar or a vandal or like come into this game fence and get because guys think it's a battle like it's a battle of the sexes it's i have to to have sex with her i have to beat her i have to win like that was the big shift for me when i realized hold on if i actually engage women as humans and I make them feel good and I connect with them, I can have sex quicker, I can have more of it, and it's better. Why the fuck would I not be doing this all the time? Right. But it took me like a decade or more to learn that. I think you see it in a lot of people, you know, I see it all the time. They'll have sex with somebody once, the guy will have sex with a right. girl once, and then they'll be done. Right. Like, what is it? What's the point of that? Like, that's, I've never understood that. Like, you have sex. With, I mean, I maybe it's maybe it's terrible and the connection's bad. Right, right. And, and right. you were thinking it was cool. You tried it and it didn't work. Got it. But it's not like, oh yeah, I already did that. Like, what are you talking about? Right. It was, it's it's going to be better sub- sub- subsequently every time after you do it the first time. I know. I'm embarrassed because that's kind of I think how I was like 19 to about 24. Right. I was very much like that. Yeah. And not consciously. I wasn't like, oh, I fucked her. I never want to see her again. It was more like. It was an unconscious psychology, but it was exactly what you're talking about. It was bad. The cha- it's like the challenge of it becomes becomes a thing, and yeah. then, it, then it's right. Which is like it's so. It's not even bad. It's not like I was morally bad. It's just like, what are you doing? Why are right. you wasting your energy and your time? Like, what are you accomplishing by this? And it's mainly just a right. It's I think you said it's a very ego based. It's a very. Um, it's a it's an expression of deep insecurity and deep anguish yeah. about women and relationships with women. You know, and one of the next principles right there is play to win-win. And mm-hmm. in that situation, it's not a win-win. You know, as, so, if, as soon as she gives you, you know, the privilege to, right. you know, or the, you know, just the mutual experience to, right. to have sex with her, you got to make sure that it's a mutual win. Like, whatever, that has, that has a cost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, her emotions are going to get involved. You're literally putting some part of your body into her emotional body. You know, I don't get all weird with the chakras, but it's a different fucking thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say the all of the mystics around the world say your emotional body is in your stomach. Right. It's in your guts, right? You feel it in your guts. It's the euphemism that everybody uses yeah, right. all the time. Like, And you're actually putting your dick in there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have an emotional re- reaction. And then if you just bounce and just like, yeah, see ya, thanks, you know, it's going to leave like some scar tissue there. It's like it's going to mm-hmm. create an issue where it's, it's totally unnecessary to do it that way like create a situation where you're providing something whether that's kindness or you know some laughter or just a friendship or just be fucking cool well yes but the way i look at it is like if that's what you want if you have decided as a guy you're in the emotional you're in the the this emotional space where you just want physical connection short term and nothing else okay that's fine Find women who also want that, right? Right? Like, if, if that's what a woman wants and that's what you want, then you've created a win-win crea- uh, interaction there. There are women who just want that, right? I mean, the reasons why, okay, whatever. But, like, I feel like two consenting adults who know what they're getting into and get into it, that's fine. Uh, the problem comes uh, when what you're talking about, when the woman wants, let's say, something more than just a physical interaction, not necessarily marriage, whatever, but she wants something else. And you represent that you're going to bring something else, but then you don't. Yeah, that's the disconnect yeah. that like I, I think know, a lot I of hear guys, guys all the time. They'll say they'll tell girls they love them like like right. I love you. I love you. Like all of these all of this bullshit, you know, to yeah. try and make uh-huh. this thing happen. All right. Because you know, they think like, that they have to manipulate and play women to get them to have sex with them, which oh God, I think I was about 24 when I made the switch. I was because I, I, I'm less emotionally mature than you. So I was 24, 25. It took me longer than you when I figured out. Hold on. If I'm honest with women about who I am and what I want, not only am I going to save so much effort, 
but I'm going to get what I want quicker with women who also want what I want. I was putting in a third of the effort and getting twice or three times the result. It was my whole fucking world shifted when I understood that I didn't have to lie and cheat and steal to get laid, that in fact the opposite strategy worked. And then yeah. from there it was like all uphill or downhill, I mean. Yeah. So one of the, the next, after you transition from some of those principles, some of the next core parts are about improving yourself. And I think one of the Chapter, key, the first thing is yeah. like we start with where you are on it, essentially, right. like yeah. get your shit together physically, get your shit together. And one of the ones that you talk about is building self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. And in 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 mating, I think confidence is even though it's always ranked as important in the statistics, it's still underrated and how important yeah. that is. And I think it has like an women underrate how much they care about it. Yeah, I think it yeah. has an evolutionary a huge know, one basis too because imagine you're running around and you don't know somebody's skill set you don't know what they're capable of you don't right. know whether they'll be able to provide hunt fight whatever what you have to go on is their confidence their subjective their, belief of it is right. their belief in it and so i think humans have very acute belief detectors it's called the socio sociometer theory uh, right. yeah it's called a sociometer you're exactly yeah. right in the literature cool yeah mm -hmm. i didn't know what it was i didn't yeah. know it was called that no but, no humans but are like very belief good belief detection is one of these senses that we have that is people don't talk about nearly enough. It happens with fighters where they'll square each other off. And it's really, a, it's a, at that point, you know, there's great detection. studies about that. Do you know the guys who smile in fights? Like a, you can, you can, if you bet uh, against the guy who smiles in a square off, you're like 75% odds. No, because really? smiling is a, in, for humans, smiling is a form of submission. So you see two guys square off the guy who smiles Almost always, unless right. it's like unless the it's only that, that cocky, ass right? That, like the Eminem like, smile on the I battle rap and like eight mile. <laughs> that's my, that's more a smirk. That's right. a smirk. Like, all right, I, this guy's trying to punk me. That's fine. I got you. But like a smile, smile right. is like it's trying to make it friendly, right? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Well, even if you're you're trying to project that you're laughing at them, it's exp it's a deep expression of insecurity, mm -hmm. of fear. And even if the outward face doesn't doesn't come there's like a fucking sense and mm -hmm. girls can sniff it you can guys see it. Can ronda i'll it. tell you who's great it is ronda rousey yeah like her face-offs you can tell if you don't know anything about fighting you're like ah oh, she's gonna destroy this person. she's gonna destroy this guy you yeah. you know she's got that belief but that belief i talk about in the chapter so guys always ask how do i become confident right there are there is essentially no shortcut other than being good at what it is you want to be confident about. competency yes exactly right you must mm -hmm. be competent to be confident. Yeah. And that's the, always the criticism. I talk a lot about belief. It's like, well, what if I believed I could beat Mike Tyson? Does that mean I could beat? Like, no. Because first of all, you could never fucking believe that. No. Because it's not like something you no. turn on in your head. Not like, even ayahuasca only, will help you with no, that. No, no. There's, <laughs> right. there's like only truly being an insane person. You know, Right. Insanity will. Insanity could get yes. you to believe that. And then... Then you're, you get... Trucked. Yeah, you get trucked. Right. right. But it, otherwise, you would have had to put in the time, the labor, the fights, the sparring, the pro contests that would actually get you to believe no, that. No, our brains. And then even still, you're going up against Tyson's belief system, which is going to be, I'm actually fucking roll this guy. And then you're also going up against his actual competency, and too. His actual competency. But that's yeah. the thing is that people don't understand. Everyone thinks the only part of your brain that really matters is your sort of forebrain, your, uh, your, your rational, conscious brain. It's usually actually the least important uh, in terms of confidence. It's actually your unconscious conscious that determines how confident you are you can think you're confident if you don't uh, unconsciously subjectively believe you have the skills you don't have real confidence it's fake confidence yeah. you actually nailed it you can see the fighter you can see man mm -hmm. you can see it on stage that you can ask them at all day long and they'll swear and they'll pass they'll pass a lie detector that they believe that they can beat this guy but you can see unconsciously they know they can't yeah and in that that kind of square off, that's what happens when you go talk to a girl. You know, there's, when you're out there talking mm -hmm. to a girl or a guy's talking to, you know, vice versa, there's this belief detection. If you don't moment. believe you're good enough for her, she can smell it and read it. And desperation totally. is like the least attractive shit on earth. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's a large part of what's going on. And that's why you'll see these inherent, you know, mismatches where you're like, how did this person? Well, it's just belief. Belief is overriding what other things well, you might think the dude brought something to the table yeah but then he also calibrated that competency with his confidence yeah yeah absolutely no doubt yeah for sure so all right so developing a better human being just better yourself and you go through all of those different things from um 
physical health, mental health, intelligence, willpower, agreeableness, assertiveness. Mm-hmm. So just this kind of general guidebook of what's attractive to women. And then, um, and then going on to in, in step three, um, all of the different ways that you signal your you show you show your traits. So yeah, the, you the first traits. part or the that part first part is traits. Like, like uh, physical. I mean, a lot of guys don't understand. Like, they'll come to us and they'll think they have problems with women, and they'll like start talking about their problems. And it's clear. It's like, hold on, you're forty pounds overweight. You don't shower enough. You dress like a fucking slob. Um, you look like shit. You you know like we're gonna list. It's like you don't have a problem with women. You got a fucking problem with your life. Like, what, why would a woman, well, ask guys, why would a woman, you know, we have our own podcast, they call in, they leave questions, whatever, and the fundamental question is always, why would a woman be attracted to you? And so many guys are like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> it's like, right. Dude. And they probably don't believe that they're attractive to women either. Like, <laughs> they just never fucking thought. Yeah, they're oh. like, oh man, I guess, yeah, like, if I'm not attractive to a woman, why would she like me? Like, there are a lot of dudes who don't understand that. And then even if they understand that, then it's like, okay. Be a lot, the next level is guys who are like, hold on, I have all this stuff going for me and no women like me. It's like, okay, how does a woman know you have all this stuff going for you? And they're like, oh, yeah. Like she, guys will, like really smart guys will like try and go to a bar and like compete with guys like me or you who are super outgoing and social and gregarious. And it's like, you can't display your best traits uh, if, if you don't also compete in a loud, if you, you, you don't have those traits as well, sure. right? To compete in a loud bar environment, right? So it's like, you need to go display what trait, figure out what your traits are that are uh, appealing to women and then go display them somewhere that like, if you're really smart, join like uh, meetups or groups where intelligence is highly valued by women, right? Mm. And places you can show your intelligence. Uh, guys show never you, think Show your best stuff. shit. You know, if you're an amazing you athlete, that. you love working out, you're great at CrossFit, whatever, you should be meeting women at your gym, you know? Like not at, you know, uh, the university library or whatever. Right. Yeah, put yourself in an advantageous situation. Exactly. Yeah, that that's the whole the, the whole core of the book is here's the things that women care about, here's how to show women you have these things. Cuz having it and not being able to show it is almost like not having it. And then not bragging about it. I remember one of Wait, your exercises no. you were like no, 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 not take bragging. all your test scores, take all of these burn them. statistics, burn them. Like that cuz there's nothing worse than that. No. There's nothing worse than the guy who's over name dropping and my SAT, my or, bank account, my right. car, my yeah, friends. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude, gross. get out of here. It's gross. Well, it's unattractive. It shows insecurity. And it's unattractive. Right? Most, right. Insecurity is extremely unattractive to women. And that's sort of uh, the obvious signaling. Like, look at it. Where you just tell people, I got to tell you all about myself. There's very few women that respond to that. If you, if you hang around a champion in any field... You know, the last thing they're going to do is tell, tell you, you the about cha- all their accol- accolades. You'll champ doesn't have to out. tell you they're the champ. No, they don't. They never do. They're the champ. It, does, it could be a fucking ping pong champ, a paintball champ, a basketball fighter. It doesn't matter. A totally champion, true. A champion has that inner belief, so they don't feel the need to just go around and, and tell people about it. And that's what you need to mimic as well. You you have that inside yourself. It's it's a show, not tell game. But you don't have to be uh, the WWF or, um, or the... The, the UFC uh, heavyweight belt holder to feel like a champ. Like that's, yeah. You have to be good at something. The thing that you care about, that you work on, if you're good at that, you can walk around with the same sort of, not the exact same, obviously, but like the same sort of idea and the same sort of self-possession. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other things, too, that I think prevents a lot of people from even going for it is this intense fear of rejection because they are judging themselves based upon their success and performance mm-hmm. in, in that relationship. And I remember in my own early days, I put intense pressure on my sexual performance. Like so much. I, I was have so the ha- I put, Oh, it was horrible. I was like almost incompetent for a couple of years. Same you way. know, because I mean, I'm like that in all, I was particularly like that in, in all aspects from sports to academics to writing to whatever. And then I translated that to sex and you're dealing with a very fickle piece of equipment, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't go well to heady, to heady thoughts, you <laughs> no, know, like it's not a light switch. you can't just power through. Like uh-uh. this is a game of like, it's more like surfing, you know, like you over paddle, you're going to nosedive the fucking board yep. and shit's going to get squirrely. So I like, I like mind fuck myself into, into almost incompetence for like two years mm-hmm. in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. And it's just this crazy thing. And I actually hear that from a lot of guys all the time, like issues that they have just because they're putting so much 
pressure on themselves. They're worried about results. They yeah. were like, like, it's more about identity. So like, there's a great saying, my editor, not for this book, but my, one of my old books, I was talking to him about like, oh, we're going to hit the bestseller list, blah, 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 blah. And he said, Tucker, stop. He said, um, if you stare at the target, you'll hit it and you get the trophy. But if you stare at the trophy, you'll miss the target and you get nothing. And it was like, oh, that was so right. And I think like that's sort of like the way we frame it here is like, if you worry, if you put so much pressure on yourself to accomplish something, then you get in your own head about the actual action, right? Mm -hmm. And then because what you're doing is you're ascribing your identity to a result. But if instead your identity is very small and you think I, I am this person who does these things and then this is an action I'm trying that I can succeed or fail at, and I'm going to try and succeed, but if I fail, it's no big deal. Right. It doesn't hurt your identity. It doesn't hurt your image of yourself. Then it's like you're totally free to do anything and be anything. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's such a funny thing because you know I guess people feel comfortable talking to me and I have a lot of different employees, mm -hmm. friends, different people. And people in just the prime like i was the prime of testosterone this the prime where it's hard not to have an erection <laughs> yeah right when you're 23 or 19 yeah. it gets to the point where you don't want to have sex just because of the pressure because the pain that you feel from your own inadequacy in your own mind far outweighs the pleasure of the sexual performance and actually during the sex all you're thinking about is I how hope, you're performing I, right, and then right. I hope it goes well. So it becomes this almost miserable experience that you still push yourself to do because if you don't push yourself to do it, then you start thinking other terrible thoughts about right. yourself. Oh, I've, I haven't had sex with a girl and for three this, months. Yeah, I'm a failure. Yeah, and, it's this vicious, uh -huh. vicious it's cycle. It's tying identity to result instead of keeping your identity small. And I wish I was like, I wish I was able to just completely psychologically fix that, but I couldn't. What I had <laughs> to too. do, what I had to do is I eventually found some like good partners. I had one, well, what happened to me is I had one partner right. who totally fucked my head. Right. You know, like she had the way to like use that manipulation. She found that insecurity and she used hammered it and just hammered it. Yeah. She was like, Oh, look at this soft yeah. spot. And just bam, bam, bam over and over again would hit me in that spot. Yeah. Eventually found some, you know, found some better girls and had, you know, my own, in well, my you own probably improved time, as a person. Too. I improved as a person, but I yeah. had to take it to the extreme where it was like these massive i don't want to get too into detail yeah. but i had these like massive you know sexual explosions yeah. of like beating my chest like king kong like <laughs> until finally like i had enough like like oh okay well i guess i can do this yeah. and then i just settled down so now i'm 34 yeah. and i look back and it's like looking at a different human because yeah. now if something happened like so what? You know, all right, it was a weird night. I don't know. Shit happened. Whatever. We have a, a series on our podcast called Helping Joe with this dude, Joe Antonucci, who's like our producer. We kind of walk him through all his problems. And it's hilarious. And one time he had like real ED problem with a girl. And he's like 25 or something. Like, no. Yeah. And like he was devastated. D devastated. Like he oh, didn't want to talk about it in the podcast. Like, no, you got to talk about it. And so like uh, I was like, it was me and two other guys. And we're like, Oh, Joe, this happens to everybody. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's probably happened to me. I, I can't even count the number of times sure. like I half-masked or have problems with it. And he's like, are you fucking serious? Yet? And the other guy's like, oh, yeah, it happened to me three weeks ago. And like, the, Every guy thinks he's the only guy who's inadequate. Every fucking guy has some problem with this at some point in their life. Sure. Without exception. Yeah. If you're the exception, I, you're a liar. You're It's like jacking off. It's like you, either you admit it or you're a liar. Right. Same thing I mean, with there ED. may be some phenoms in the porn world, you know. I mean, I mean, I, I mean those I, guys. I suppose they're on they're on uh, performance enhancing drugs <laughs> too. No doubt, no doubt. But I think what it really comes down to is just knowing who you are and not using these external things to calibrate to your own self worth and your self love. And it's just as simple as I am. Like, they are things you do, not who you are. Right. And then you can really enjoy it. You know, when I give advice, I'm like. Just enjoy the whole thing from start to finish. Enjoy that moment of excitement before it happens. Sex is great. And enjoy like relax. what what it Maybe. looks like, what it smells like, like the experience itself. Don't who cares how it ends? Like if you connect, and you make a great point of that in your book too. It's so much more about the connection. Like if the connection is strong. When did you learn that? Where the best sex was actually the best sex involved heavy emotional components as just physical stuff. It took me I don't know how. I long, had to get past. I had to get past massive performance anxiety. Yeah. That, yeah. Until I really started to get that, where it was like, and you know, I had I had my threesomes and kind of multiple sex partner things, and that was also a really kind of eye opening thing too, is because. 
you know that's every guy's fantasy and mm-hmm. it's pretty fucking cool i know i'll for a while say that the first for a while few. and then but it then, gets fucking but tedious but then what you realize you're missing is it's like it becomes mechanical yes absolutely and, and as soon as you're it's done pounding your it. chest about it like that's what's so cool about it's like look at me yeah. but as soon as that's like not a big deal anymore and it's then it becomes a very you lose out on the connection unless it's some crazy dynamic where everybody's kind of weirdly connected together. Which is like a very unusual thing. Which is super rare. Usually it's very mechanical. This thing, then this thing, then move this position. and. And it's just kind of like running a stage performance. It or, is. Or something like that. No, it's like seriously, so, it is. It's like, it's almost like a form of consumerism. Sort yeah. Of. And then like so, an empty thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think until I went down that path and realized that like the, the times I enjoy the most, there's, it's that mind meld. It's where the whole world goes away and you're just in total fucking mm-hmm. mind meld with Because then person. you get, right, the, the, the emotional connection not just it's not just something else that also enhances and mixes with the physical connection and it's it took me i think i was about 28 before i really understood that and that only the beginning i didn't really get that i think until my mid 30s right. and that's why that first sexual encounter is never as good as the other ones because the first one there's gonna be no. a bit of it's like anxiety. trying out for a sports team you're yeah. just trying to make the team <laughs> right right you can't right. loosen up and play right yeah, yeah. so that's you know until it takes until you get unless you're really comfortable with somebody and then even still there's going to be a lot of that that pressure which might be exciting and it might work out especially the more comfortable you get but generally it's pushing that a little bit at least to the three four five six you know and then you got to kind of see of course some people you know right off the bat like eh this dance, no, there are definitely some not the right dan- physical this is not the right dancing. Right. There's some that are terrible and some that are amazing physically. Like I've had women that I connected with physically where I was just like, what the fuck? This is incredible. Right. And then like it was awful because it was like nothing else worked in our life. Like we didn't like it. Was, and that was actually a little bit depressing. And then there's women like I really connected with sort of I thought and then physically there was no sort it just didn't work. Right. But most of the great relationships, pretty all the great relationships I've had in my life uh, over any period of time. Uh, even if we didn't start out great physically or not amazing, we almost always got to a really great physical place because it's really just about, um, assuming there's no sort of issues, uh, physical issues, it's just about getting each other's rhythm, learning how they move, adapting to them, they adapt to you. It's almost like uh, getting in synchronicity or something, you know, like a synchronized swimmer. I don't know, like whatever a better metaphor would be. Yeah, it's it's a it's a dance, really. You know, dance I mean, is a better metaphor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's you and some people you just click with, and some people you're always kind of a little off rhythm. But if you kept dancing with them, that would definitely improve. Um, so then, one thing, you know, I've kind of talked about it a little bit on my podcast, and it's something that you didn't really go into too much. Is you know, what do you think about the the paradigm, the monogamy paradigm, as you know for family structure and <laughs> and everything in, yeah. in general no you know we I mean? tried to so we tried to avoid in this book any not we didn't avoid controversial stuff we tried to avoid anything that wasn't super fundamental right just right. because um there's not a book that is the fundamentals for guys and this, and this is, is the fundamentals sure. right no doubt. uh that stuff is super important but it's sort of like the next step like this book is not how do you be in a relationship with a woman it's how do you mm-hmm. get into the relationship well because if you can't get you know? in one then the rest you can't of the be in one exactly right right, right um that's actually a super good question I, I don't know man like i know we're both friends with like dr chris ryan is yeah. you know like and there's a lot of people who i think are making a lot of good arguments and creating sort of new not new they're, they're helping to shine light on entirely different alternative ways to organize uh relationships families etc um, I don't feel like I know enough to know. I don't have a super informed like opinion. Sure. I know I do know this. Um, uh, paired off couples. If you're with the right person, it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not with the right person, there's almost nothing that can make it work. Uh, I do know. Like I have a son now. Uh, dude, two people raising a fucking kid by themselves is this is not how we were designed, man. We moved yeah. her mom, my wife's mom, to Austin to help us because like it's now it's amazing. Children should be raised by parents, yes, but also like an extended family, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I'm a big believer in the extended family only if the dynamics are sort of emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. If they're toxic, I, I don't believe – I'm not one of those like blood conquers all. No, if you have a shitty parent – if you have shitty parents, I don't have good relationships with my parents because they're not super good people. Her parents are – oh, her dad's dead, but her mom's a pretty good person. So, like, we have a great a great family dynamic. I think it depends on the people 
it's not like family's always right or whatever's no, always I think right. it's more important to have the family you choose, you know, yes. rather than the family that's connected by blood. You know, I mean, like, choose the family that you want to raise your kid yes. in. And it may coincide with your blood if it does. And if it does, that's awesome. Super. And yeah, it makes it easy. That's awesome. Makes it easy. If not, okay, it's if a little harder. If not, harder. Then, then you have these other people who you trust, you know, and right. love more and know that they're going to instill that that wisdom and that, that right model the, the only thing I wonder about the polyamory stuff, I feel like there's a lot of people that use that as an excuse to hide emotional issues. You know, like most of those, not most, but a huge number of those people who are into that I've seen, it usually ends up imploding. I'm not sure that that's an issue with polyamory or that sort of lifestyle itself. I think it's more of an issue of the people that are like into some it. some kind of selection bias? Right, exactly. It's sort of like, uh, I feel like, Weed, marijuana is perfectly fine as a substance for humans to ingest, but people can use it and become derelict sure. losers or they can use it the right way. Sure. I think that li those sorts of lifestyles are probably the exact same thing. You know, the thing that as me and Whitney experiment with our own, our own way, right. we're not, we're not, I don't think any label makes sense, but what we basically decided is let's come up with an agreement as if we were starting from scratch. Right. right? And there was no societal pressure and no uh -huh. norms that we had to uphold and right. no theological ideals that have come down through the ages and laws that canonize right, right. those mm -hmm. and support it. Like, let's come up with an agreement of what makes sense. Does it make sense for either one of us to be the police of each other's pleasure? Right. You know, do I get mad if you eat at this restaurant and not my <laughs> home cooking? Right. You know, no, I don't. Would I get mad if my friend, you know, got sexual pleasure from something, if my very best friend? No. So the basis of our agreement came as in a basis of altruism. Like, both of us meeting each other with altruism, genuinely right. wanting the best for the other person right. and then sorting it out. And I think that's, to me, I think that's in any relationship for whether it's just a short term, long term, like set an agreement. We actually mm -hmm. wrote ours down like this is our agreement. So mm -hmm. it's clear. So we understand right. like what makes sense. It doesn't mean it's easy. Right. Like, that shit's super hard. It's all, super dude, hard relationships on are. both sides. It will right. challenge so many aspects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell my buddies some of these stories about both ways and they'll, they'll they'll have some of them have to walk out of the room because yeah. they couldn't imagine because well, they're projecting their own they're, yeah they couldn't imagine it. like yeah, how yeah, yeah. to deal with it but if you come up with something that you feel in your heart you can really stand by right. then you can be honest and that to me is like where so many of these things fail is you're carrying a certain level of dishonesty with your mate yeah almost always whether it's dishonesty oh yeah i don't find that other person attractive i'm not fantasizing about this other person. but then you are but then you tell your friends the real deal yeah. or the girl tells her girlfriends the real deal mm-hmm you know, so that I think getting to at least the point where you're honest with your partner, mm -hmm. that's fucking huge. And I, then you I, make whatever rules you dude, want. Dude, I would say that's fantastic. I would say there's even a level before that that you're kind of assuming, I think, because you're like this, but not everyone is. You need to be honest with yourself first uh -huh. yeah, before you point. can be honest with anyone else. And I think I think very few people are genuinely honest with themselves uh, about what they really want who they really are, things they're afraid of. For me, like what I wanted, all that stuff is easy for me. The hard thing for me was like understanding what I was really afraid of and what really threatened me on a deep level. Super hard. And it wasn't like I, I wasn't consciously lying to myself. It's like it's hard to fucking know these things sometimes, sure. man. Sometimes you get – it's sort of like you don't know the metal of steel until you test it sometimes. Oh, you know? 100%. Well, in this relationship, you know, and I've already shared some personal shit, so <laughs> might as well keep going. Right. So – I'm a very competitive person, right? right? So when Whitney would be talking to somebody who I know I just had fucking aces on them right. every corner. Oh, what's that? You Okay, yeah, I got aces. Oh, what's that? A ja okay, yeah, I got aces. <laughs> when she was talking to somebody who had me aces royal flush and I'm holding like right. one pair in uh, that particular category, uh, it's like, fuck. Uh, that was hard. It was hard to acknowledge that she's attracted to someone who's clearly better than me and at least one right, right. one major category of manhood. You then know? you're getting to the identity issues we talked right. about earlier, and then, though. And then you start this kind yeah. of weird comparison uh -huh. thing and all of these things until finally you just have to work that out of your system and say, yeah, cool, good for her. She gets to have that have that experience. She has this experience, and I'm not trying to play this crazy comparison game. The way, right, yeah, I think you identified the right way to deal with that is like people that fail in those situations are ones who won't acknowledge that they have that uh, whatever the insecurity, the fear, that whatever. Yeah. Like if you acknowledge it to yourself first, like okay, I'm feeling inadequate, insecure, sad, whatever, afraid. Then you can like it doesn't go away, but you can like understand. Okay, that's what I'm feeling. It's there. 
I, it just is part okay it's there and then you can kind of let it have its say i guess so to speak yeah. and then it's like it doesn't go away but it kind of sits over to the side it's like okay and then you can kind of move on from it once you know it. The problem is you don't recognize it to yourself. People don't acknowledge it as their own shit. They project it onto them. Like, exactly. I'm I can't believe you're doing this. Right. Blah blah blah. And they right. push it all outward uh -huh. instead of saying like, "Wow, I'm insecure yeah. and I'm jealous as fuck." Yep. And when I think about you having sex with this person, I want to vomit. Yes. Like that. Like yes. so. Get to the real part first, and then then you start to deal with that. And then I remember I had that when I was thinking about when I was thinking about her sleeping right. with this with this individual. Every time I would think about a new way that it might happen, right. I would want to get puke. angry again. I right? would like, get, puke. Yeah. I would like, oh. uh, so I had to take it to the point where I started fantasizing the most crazy scenario. Uh, I was like, if I'm going to be terrified exposure of this, therapy, exposure therapy, I have to think about the very worst right. case scenario. Bring it, let's bring it all like up and address something it. beyond even anything I've ever seen in the darkest porn that I've ever, oh, I can think I've some ever terrible shit, right? watched. Right? right. And I got to the point where I was, it was you like tough laughing for a while. At I was it, laughing. Yeah, I was like, there's no way. Right. That, that that could yeah. possibly be happening. A midget shitting on her chest, like <laughs> yeah. you know, like, yeah, oh, like bringing what is this? <laughs> right, like it's like ridiculous. It was like, it was like yeah. Beecher's madhouse of uh -huh. sex that was going on. Uh -huh. so, so you know, there's all of these different tests, and I felt like for me, one of the great things about this for me is it was really tempering of my own shit. Because I talk a lot about consciousness, but then when it came down to some of the core stuff, these insecurities came out. I mean, I was acting That's 100 like every normal. human in the in the fucking world it's, all of these real things came up it's how you deal with it not yeah. do you have the emotion right huh. and i think it so much jealousy and insecurity is this viper in relationships constantly you know and this is our our agreement puts that to the forefront like we uh -huh. really have to deal with it on a on a major level but i think everybody has to deal with that viper at some point and realize how much of that shit is on yourself and not on your partner we all have our own mountain to climb Right, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I have a, I had a hard life in certain ways compared to some people. It's like a joke compared to other people. It's like the hardest thing ever. There's no reason to think of it that way. You have your mountain to climb and your battle. But yeah, that's everyone does, and and you guys do that. That's the right way, man. Like you bring it up, and it took me. If you figure this out on your own, God bless you, because I had to spend <laughs> a, a lot of money in therapy and a lot of time meditating on all this shit. And I still, I'm not super good at doing it. I, I kind of have a good idea of where the path is. Now I'm just sort of walking it a little bit and yeah. not even doing a good job. But like, that's the big thing, I think. The big realization is I have these emotions. They're real. I need to acknowledge them, address them, understand they're not going away, and then stop projecting them onto other people and mm -hmm. deal with them myself. A lot of times people don't take that moment to realize what their shit is no. and where the other person's shit goes. And so you get a lot of these, dude, I still don't a lot of these fights. Almost oh, every argument hard. I have with my wife break, comes down to something like that. Like yeah. that's the meta analysis is what you just said. Yeah. And then everything else is details. Yeah. No mm -hmm. doubt. Well, this book for anybody, you know, not only is it talked about the things you said, it also gets really practical. Just set a setting your goal. Like, knowing what you want the whole the whole secret of the secret is not a fucking secret it's just if you actually think about what you want you will make the micro decisions to help you get there that's an amazing quote the secret of the secret is not a secret <laughs> yeah it's not it's like how, how do you expect to get what you want if you don't really know uh, what it is you huh? want you won't make the decisions you won't make the course corrections it's like i'm gonna win this race where's the finish line i don't fucking know <laughs> right. how are you gonna win the race how are you gonna fucking paddle and go through you don't know dude i hate i hate books that are all uh sort of high theory and advice with no actual practical application. Like if you read a book and then have to say, well, what do I do next? That book has fucking failed. <laughs> and so this book, like that's why, I mean, that's why I think Dr. Miller, like, so this book heavily 30,000, we have 30,000 words of fucking footnotes. I mean, this is crazy. Every sentence yeah. almost this is a cutting edge research, cutting edge science, but it's not just high minded science theory. It's like, okay, the last third of the book is here's exactly what to do. Here is how you make these changes to yourself. Here's how you figure out what you need to change. Here's how you change it. Here's how you meet women. Here's where to go. Here's what to say. Even Here's, choosing the city. I really literally love that. Part. Mating markets. We have a whole yeah. chapter on mating markets. Most people never think about, like, just think of it this way. Uh, if you're in a bar with five women and 10 guys, do you think that's a good, good odds for you? Maybe for you, but for most guys? Yeah, you know, yeah, right. 
Well, I got aces. So I got a couple aces up there. But I got a couple but even, twos. Even on that board, well, you're thinking, all right, man, I got I got fucking there's five guys are gonna lose tonight. Right. And so it's like you got it, you understand it's totally reversed if there's five dudes and ten women. Sure. Then it's like, oh yeah, yeah I can yeah, let yeah. Them come to me now. Like uh, yeah. it's a whole different thing. Well, that exists on a neighborhood social group city basis too. We explain it's called the mating market. We explain that to guys. Most people never think about this. Uh, we explain sort of exactly um, just everything. Like, how do you create your, your plan? Like, literally, you said it, your mating plan. First, you have to identify what you want, then how to get it. Then we literally show you the exact steps. How do you build the right habits? Like, w- literally, what do you do in the morning? What do you do? How do you do it? All those things in, in a very specific, actionable way for guys. Because uh, I think most, especially younger guys, and I say this as I used to be a younger guy, are really fucking stupid and really inexperienced in life. And they don't know how to connect dots. I learned how to start connecting dots in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And this book is taking sort of like everything I know now and we all know, Dr. Miller and all of us know, and showing you exactly how to get there. You still got to walk this path, but this is a map. Instead yeah. of showing up with no map and no path and no fucking idea how to get, not even knowing where you want to go or how to get there, this is a map of different locations and it shows you the paths. Another thing I like too is it's not solely just about mating. There's some other gems in there that I think are really important. Like you talk about education mm-hmm. and about selecting education in there. And that's, I think, a major issue You know, if you're in that demographic. Like, why are you going to this college? Why are you going to this law school? There are like, reasons to go to college, real... but most people don't think about them. Yeah, it's just this momentum thing. Yes. And heavy and parental, heavy parental pressure because parents are terrified that you're going to be the kid that when their people in their peer group ask them, like, "Oh, what's what's Johnny doing?" Right. Well, you know, he's just kind of sorting it out in L.A. <laughs> you nailed it. Most ki- most kids never understand. Like, even if your parents are good people and they really do care the best about you, they're still social human beings who operate in a social context and the reason they care so much about whether you go to college one big reason is exactly what you said what am i gonna say to my friends right no seriously and you think that can't be it fucking is it absolutely is (laughs) totally no why wouldn't they let you wear a batman outfit to school yeah well what are people gonna say and not every parent is like this but huge this is how most people are what are other people gonna say yeah. Like that's the, that's, uh, and that's why they push you to jobs. Not, and of course, again, not everybody, but that's why right. they push you to jobs that have very easy explanations. Doctor, Doctor lawyer, lawyer, finance, or a dentist, company. Oh, Goldman banker. Sachs or, oh, UBS or. And they'll look good in front of their friends. Yeah. yeah. I want to look good oh, in front yeah. of my friends. UBS, good. I keep my money there. That's excellent. I'm glad <laughs> right. Johnny's there. Oh, he's a that. banker. That's yeah. so stable. Yo, maybe someday you'll be in my wealth management team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like whatever fucking bullshit that, that is. That, you know, I think Robert Greene describes them adequately. They're counterforces. Uh-huh. And I think uh-huh. adequately assessing your path, yes. your plan, like yes. what do you want? Uh-huh. Away from all that shit. Like, just like you said, burn the test scores. Like, burn all the opinions of everybody else, society, parents, whatever. Find what you want first and then take into account. Maybe people are seeing things in your blind spot. Uh You know, parents are right a lot of the time. And maybe you have a bias to just rejecting everything that they say. Or maybe they're telling you bullshit. But you have to know what you want in order to sort that out. Well, fully rejecting and fully accepting are both wrong paths. Right. Because... Like people have a lot of wisdom about certain things. So if like if your dad says, "Hey, listen, don't buy a used car from a guy who has TV commercials on or something," it's like, "Oh, maybe that's really good advice, right?" <laughs> right. Because those people tend to be hucksters. But if he's like, "You need to go to college," you should always ask why. Right. Uh, it, it, whenever anyone, not just uh, whatever your parents give you advice, okay, why? And then if they can't explain why, then they're a pawn in someone else's game. Mm-hmm. If they can, then you can decide based on their explanation whether you should listen to them. Yeah, yeah. have your own logical criteria to decide whatever mm-hmm. you want. Exactly. Well, man, this is definitely a book that I would have benefited fucking huge from. So I Me too. I appreciate it. Me too, man. I, I wrote the book to fill the gap that, that was there in my life and every other guy's life. Yeah, and you know, I can definitely, it's fun to read too. You know, obviously your humor, come, humor still comes through in that and that's enjoyable. And it's it's coming from the right place yeah. for sure. I mean, from like I said, from that initial dedication where you're dedicating this book to Bishop, yeah. and, and I knew that like, all right, this is this is for real. Yeah. Like you're trying to create a positive feedback loop, a true win-win, and we need more of that, man. I know for sure. I know. Well, cool. So when does it come out? Is it out? September fifteenth. September. Shit, that's coming right up. I know. It's like two weeks. Awesome. Yeah. 
Well, this podcast will launch like right before that then. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can get it awesome. at Amazon and any bookstore. It's just a normal book. Just get it wherever you normally buy books. Yeah. And where yeah. else can people find you? Social and... Uh, yeah, so, um, uh, right. Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's my name, like Tucker Max. Um, uh, I have my old site. My old stories are TuckerMax.com. Most of the, I have a bunch of stuff up for free there. Newer stuff's at TuckerMax.me. Um, and you got that podcast, too. With, yeah, Mating with, Grounds. With, with, yeah, with Dr. Dr. Miller. Miller. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we talk about... It's just like what you and I just talked about. We talk, We just go... We focus generally on sort of mating behavior. The funny thing about this, you said, this is not... It's, it is a book about sex, dating, mating, dealing with women. But I would say it's kind of like a self-improvement book in disguise. Yeah. Really, because most, most guys don't have problems with women first. They have problems with life. And if you can fix your problems with life, it's pretty easy to fix your problems with women. Competency first. That's the plan. Yep. Hey, let's do one bonus round. Let's do one bonus round from the from the crowd here, all right? Lando. Lando. He's Is over this there. the guy who needs the book you were saying earlier? <laughs> well, I didn't say I, I didn't say me. You know, I was just saying there's a copy that I'll personally transcribe for Orlando and say nobody else but Orlando gets this book. I don't know why I'm gonna do that, but you know, I just want to do it because I love him. Right. That's why. Lando, do you have any questions here for uh, for me and Tucker in your your own dating and relationship uh, life? Uh, in So is it because you're attracting a certain type of woman? You're looking in a specific place for a woman, or right? Oh yeah, I mean the, the 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 data on this, the studies on this. There's 50 years of social psych research about this. It's very clear. People evaluate you pretty much instantaneously and mostly unconsciously as soon as they see you. Right? We explain this uh, very deeply in the book. We talk like uh, explain signaling theory and all this stuff. But basically, people immediately judge you on uh, what you look like, how you dress, all those sorts of things. And what's crazy is most of their judgments are usually really pretty accurate. Most people are like, oh, you don't know me. It's like, right, but I can look at you and tell 50 things about you without actually knowing you. And it's very rare that, that the perception is not the reality, right? But, uh, which is sort of a different thing. If, if you're on Tinder looking for a wife, that's tough, right? So you gotta understand is like, most of the girls that are on Tinder and active are probably in the stage of their life where they're looking for relatively short-term things. So that's what you're putting, you're putting yourself in that stream, right? If you are looking for a longer-term thing, then you need to signal slightly different things in a different way to a different group of women, right? The type of women looking for like boyfriends, um, don't usually go on short-term mating type things. It, even if it's just like a, an, an app, they're going to be using, let's say, Hinge instead of Tinder, right? Because Hinge is more relationship-based. Or if it's just on, like basic online dating, they're going to be maybe more match than OkCupid or something like that, right? Uh, so that's, about that's choosing, a big thing. It's about choosing the right technology to, choosing mate, the right to mating match market. up with your mating goals. Exactly. What do you do if you have an, an adaptive personality? It's like, okay, I'll go into a date thinking... Well, hold on. What do you want? I don't know what I really want. Oh, well, there uh, we go. That's there the you problem. Go. We're talking about like a da- a da- a da- an adaptive person. So if I go into a day, it's like, oh, this girl, she seems like, oh, should we have all the same interests and everything? It looks like we would probably be something more long term. But then you're going through the day, she starts saying some things you don't really like. And it's like, oh, yeah, you start adapting to it. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you know, she, she hates cats. But, eh, that's all right. She'll get over it. <laughs> so you're a cat dude. Uh, well, you're gonna be single for a little. You got bigger problems. <laughs> no, seriously though, dude. Uh, the, the, like, uh, if you don't know what you want, how do you expect anyone else to? Uh, th- there you I go. Think, I really think that's probably the crux of it. It's just being clear about what exactly you're looking for. So, yeah. like, be your own. There's a famous story from the classical literature called Pygmalion, and Pygmalion was this sculptor who created his perfect woman and then asked the gods to bring it into into real life. Like, you got to be doing that in your head. Like, what is this perfect thing that I want? And, you know, 
make allowances. This is we're not playing perfect games. These are yet. humans. These are right. humans. But like at least know what the ideal An is. An avatar in your head of what you exactly. your the your match looks like. But first off, dude, you need to decide am I in the phase of my life where I want that? If you don't, it's cool, man. You it's short-term shit is totally cool if that's what you want. Just know what you want and then own it and then go for like go to the places and the streams that those women uh, are in and then interact with them that way. And if you want to switch streams, switch. I think maybe a reverse actually. I think I want like a real relationship. Right. Just based on the outside pressures of seeing all my other friends, everybody around my coworkers all getting married, and right. children no longer wanting to That's not a reason to do it though. And I kind of feel like, wait, I'm, I'm 31, be 32, like yeah, but unless your heart, unless your heart wants it, like unless you really want it, you're gonna have mixed feelings about it. So you're not gonna create that. No, you have to yeah. like unify your objective with all aspects of yourself, so that that's a singular focus. Because if you have a distracted focus, it's like paddling a fucking canoe one way and, and the other way. Like you're off sync. You're gonna do circles. You're yeah, never gonna which get is what he's doing. Destination. He's, right. You're going in circles, dude. Uh, dude, don't think age is not a problem. I'm guys get better. We tend to get better. We probably peak, all things considered, we peak somewhere between 35 and 40. Uh, physically, financially, emotionally, whatever. Like, uh, I ju- I'm going to turn 40 in like three weeks, right? I didn't meet my uh, wife now until I was 37, you know? I didn't start getting my shit together till about 34-ish, uh, you know? And maybe people would say maybe it was later than that, you know? But like, uh, I, don't worry about like, I have to do this because everyone else is. Aubrey actually said it earlier. He's like, figure out what you want, what really make, means uh, something to you, and then go that path, even if it's not uh, the path everyone else is going. It's okay. There are other people going the all, – all the paths you want to go, there are people going those paths. Just because the people around you are going path X doesn't mean you have to take path X. You can take path Y. You just have to find people on path Y, even if they're not around you. And same applies with women. No doubt. Brandon, you're not going to escape this. I know you're. I know you're happily committed in a partnership, but you know, t- maybe from your younger days, you know, come at us. Come at us with something here. I, mean, I think everyone's figuring out what they want, but at least, you know, I'm 31 also, and at least you, it's easier to be yourself when you're 31 than you are in your 20s. Yes. At least you're coming. Yeah. You can still play it day by day, but you can. You got more data. You got more data about who you are for yes, sure. A lot more. How long yeah. have you been dating your girlfriend? Three years. Three years. So you guys serious? Engaged? <laughs> do you you want to get married or she does or what uh, we're both figuring out that together and like right. I said it's a conversation that we're having <laughs> no that, those are evasive <laughs> answers they're perfectly evasive that's what they are yeah. so what what are the deci- uh, sort of what are the decision points what are the decision points like what are what matters to you that hasn't been answered what matters to her that hasn't been answered uh, well I mean it, it's <laughs> <laughs> you have to go home and answer somebody when you're answering. <laughs> I don't. That's a good point. Um, well, I'm, we're not going to follow him home and talk to his girl. Keep honest with each other and know what she's wanting and know how I feel about that. And, you know, day by day. What took you to the point where, like, before you had this girlfriend, like, what were some of the things that you encountered that were really challenging for you? Like, in my 20s? Mm hmm. In your twenties. Uh, you know, everyone has a relationship that they want to end, and it doesn't end right away, so it's kind of dragged along. Yeah, relationships that you know you should end, but you don't get out of. I think that's a big one for people because there's tons of people who just. And I think one of the things my dad told me really early on, which I really appreciated, because he said, you know, Aubrey, you have a right to your own happiness. Like, and it's not only, and I, in my own philosophy, I've taken that further. It's impossible to please somebody else if you're not happy because you will resent them. Like if you're not happy yourself, you will resent them from preventing you from happiness. And your resentment is this poison that will eventually spill over. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to be making you unhappy. That's not going to fulfill them. So they're going to be feeling bad about the situation. It's literally impossible to make this relationship healthy if you're not happy so if you're not happy you have a right and not and not a not only a right but you have to end it for your own sake and for their sake you know in my opinion 
Uh, that's that's actually a better way to phrase it than I normally do. You're 100% <laughs> right. I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, beautiful man. This is fucking awesome. Fantastic. I wish we had yes. a whole big crowd. We could do right, like exactly. we could do like a whole a whole audience questions. You know. Do we do Q and A on our podcast? That's like, awesome. Q and A is like it's great because then you can really dig in in real time and people can see. Oh yeah, they, they get to they answer the questions in their own head and shit. It, it works well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, everybody, please, you know, if you're interested in this, definitely pick up the book. Is there going to be uh, what do what do girls do? What do women do? Who buy this for? Buy uh, actually kind of same thing. Right. So this book is written for men because yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff out there for women. Not all of it's good, but there's a lot. And there's almost is there nothing anything good. I'm not sure. I don't read the stuff written for women. I don't know. I like. I wouldn't feel qualified to answer. I know, like all of the magazines. Anytime I ever oh, look, those them, are nonsense. Horrendous nonsense. advice. No, 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 all nonsense. the shows that I see horrendous advice there's horrendous advice everywhere for both sides yes absolutely i think there's very little for guys and the stuff that's out there is like pickup artist or manosphere stuff which is just for the most part total nonsense if you're a woman uh you could read the book and you'll probably learn a lot the best thing you can do with this book is give it to men in your life that you care about who are not doing well with women this is the way you can help your platonic dudes don't give it to your boyfriend brothers cousins (laughs) friends whatever right because the thing is uh so many women like they'll say things they'll give good advice but they, they don't say shit in the way that guys understand and hear it like when a woman says just be normal a guy doesn't know what that means like we said earlier we translate those things to to male in the book so like a lot women we've had so many so far the reaction from guys has been uh like kind of all over the place some guys like this is the greatest thing ever some guys are like fuck you i hate you and then you know like everything in between right almost uniformly women are like this is fucking amazing you guys have totally nailed it this is exactly what i think this is why i think this you've like this is what i want guys to act like this is what i'm attracted to which to me is like I was worried that that we would like do a book that women didn't connect with or didn't see, and then it's like, ugh, how much credibility do we really have, right? Even though it's good in my life, if women can't read it and see sure. it and be like, yes, this is right, so far it's been off the charts from women, uh, which is like, I think, I think it's, I don't know, we'll see, man. Um, I think this can change. I know our podcast changed a lot of guys' lives. Yeah. If we did a good job translating into the book, then it will do the same thing. Well, no doubt. I think you did. All right. Cool, brother. Thanks for stopping by. Definitely, we should man. do this again. Thank you, man. There's a ton of shit not about sex that we could talk about because we all do day. that every time. All we go day. Out to I know, I know. So, right? uh, we'll Wine and business time. and all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Well, thank you very much, Tucker. Everybody, much love. See ya.